Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Paul. Saul replied. There's no way he can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the, animals, the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this with both lions and bears, and I'll do it, again, do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. When Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail, David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took, off the, took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in the shepherd's back. Then, armed with only a shepherd's staff and a sling, he crossed the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David, the shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this rugged-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, today the Lord will conquer you, and I will cut off, kill you and cut off your head. Then I will give your dead bodies, give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here and will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David ran quickly out to meet him. Reaching to his shepherd's bag, he took down a stone, he hurled it with his sling, and hit the Philistine in the forehead, the stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. And David ran over and pulled out Goliath's sword from a sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. We let fear win too much. We let sadness rule and reign in our lives. We live in weakness and not in power of the Holy Spirit. We let everything else in this world control us, except the thing that should be controlling us, and that is the one true God, the one represented here in God's Word. I fall prey to it just like you do. There's crap that happens, and it's bad sometimes. It's real bad sometimes. It's real bad and 
Sometimes it doesn't look like there's a way out, and sometimes it looks like, man, this is going to destroy us. It's going to take us out. There's no way we can win. It's not possible for us to win. We forget the one main thing that we should remember. The one thing that we should remember is the one thing we forget. That God cares for us. That God cares for us. Can you even imagine the fact that God listens to you? Is that even comprehensible to you that God would listen to you? It's unbelievable, unbelievable to me that God would even dare to listen to me. I'm so insignificant. I'm so small. I'm just one of a billion in the world. As a matter of fact, I screw up nine times out of ten. I do more things wrong than I do right. I dishonor God more than I honor Him. But He listens to me. He listens to me. Not only does He listen to me, but it's deeper than that. He hurts when I hurt. He feels my pain. He walks with me. He understands my struggles. He knows every detail of my struggles. And He knows every tear that is shed from my eyes. Every one of them, he knows them. Psalm 56. David writes this. By the way, David is writing this. If you read the little blurb above this particular psalm, it says, For the choir director of the Psalm of David, regarding the time the Philistines seized him in Gath. Sometimes we skip over that little stuff that's written in the talents right there, but I think we should note that today, especially. Listen to this psalm of David. Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. We're supposed to take our fears, our troubles, our anxieties to God. We're supposed to give Him thanks in all situations. But at the same time, we are supposed to take everything that burdens us to God. Here we see an example of doing just that. People are hounding me. They slander me. They attack me. But, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. When you read God's word, do you ever pause between the sentences and just listen to what God is saying? Do you just read through it and say, you know what, I'm covering all of Psalm 56 today and I, that's good and, and I can move on tomorrow and read Psalm 57? Or do you pause and you listen to the Holy Spirit of God as God's word speaks to you, directly to you and to your life and your situation and your heartache and your tears, God speaks to your tears. Do you listen to Him? But I, what I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. Praise God for what He has promised. Trust in God. So, why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Here we see an example of somebody who is just like the rest of us. 
Somebody who has experienced the power of God in his life and seen God do miracles in his life. Seen God bring him out of troubles that, uh, that seem insurmountable. Problems that seem like there is no way we're going to get past them. Things where it seems like God has abandoned us. God doesn't care. God has moved on. God doesn't listen to one out of a billion. God doesn't listen to this tiny little insignificant human. But yet we have seen it time and time again where he has held us in his hand and walked us right to the middle of the fire. And at the other, on the other side, we're still standing. We see that. And yet tomorrow, we're still afraid. We still feel like God has abandoned us. We still feel like God doesn't care that we're so insignificant. And one thing we forget is the one thing we should remember. God cares for us. He goes on to lament about problems with they're always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching every step, eager to kill me. Don't let them get away with their wickedness and your anger. God, bring them down. One of the things I love about the Psalms is that there is this, always is two sides. There's this one of, I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I'm afraid, I'm terrified. But there's God. You will read that over and over again in the Psalms. You'll see this, this situation where, where you'll be so frail and, so, and seem so insignificant, like you're not cared for or loved. And then you'll see immediately this transition into remembering who God is. And that's a perfect example of my life. There's so many times I feel like, man, this is too much. There's no way I'm going to be able to make it. It cannot get any better. This will always be bad, and it will never get any better. And then I think about God for just a moment. I remember who God is. I remember what He's gotten me through. I remember the places I've been and the things that He's walked me through. I said, but I remember God. I remember what you did for me. I remember who you are. I remember the promises you made to me. I remember the fact that, that no matter what happens in this world, no matter what struggles I may endure right here, right now, no matter who comes against me, who attacks me, that in the end we win. That in the end, God wins, and because I live in Christ, we win. In the end, evil is gotten rid of, and that he is preparing a place for me. A place for me where there is no more sorrow and no more tears. A place for me where, where sin no longer exists, that he's preparing that place for me. That doesn't keep me from hurting all the time, but when I remember, it gives me strength to get through what I am going through at the moment. And when we talk about the fact that God cares for you, we should find strength in the fact that He cares for you. And the next part of what He says shakes me to my core. You keep track of all my sorrows. Not just a few of them, not just the ones that just pop up on your radar. Not the biggest ones. Not just the little ones that are low-hanging fruit that you can take care of. All of my sorrows you have written down. You have taken note of. You have kept track of all of my sorrows. All of them are important to you, God. All of them matter to you and your heart, God. 
You have kept track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your body. You have recorded each one in your book. You know, in ancient times, they would make a big deal out of funerals and times of mourning. And they would actually even bring people in and their purpose was to wail and to cry so that the people knew that whoever it was that was gone, they were missed. And their lives mattered. Their lives were a big deal. So the more you cried and the more you wailed and the more upset you got about the fact that somebody was gone, and that meant the more important that person was to you or to the people that they loved. And one of the things that they would do is to, to keep tears that were shed during a funeral... They would keep those tears in a bottle so that you could physically see this is how important this person was. This is how much this person mattered. That when they died, all of these tears were shed and they would keep them in a bottle so that you could physically see how much they mattered. And God keeps our tears. Every tear that we shed keeps trying to He keeps them in a bottle and he writes it down. God doesn't forget things. That just goes to show us just how much more important our sorrows are to him. He keeps track of them in a bottle and he writes them down. They're doubly important to him. He records them and he keeps them. God for what he has promised? Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? So when you look at this, don't just think about people. I want you to think life. Because not only do people attack us, and that's reality, but the world that we live in, the fact that we live in a fallen creation, it attacks us. Life attacks us sometimes. Not only is it morals that attack us, but mortality attacks us. Life happens. Life brings wages war on us sometimes. And we should look at life in the same way we look at our enemies. Say, so what can you really do to me? What can, how can you really destroy me? What real victory do you have over me? Because I have eternal life and an eternal God. Therefore, there is nothing that life can do to me. There is nothing that I have to fear. There is nothing that I have to worry about. Guys, I have the one true God. The eternal God. The one that has power over every one of my enemies and every one of my struggles. And he cares for me and even keeps my sorrows in a bottle and writes them down. If that's the case, if I really believe what is written in this book and he created everything that we know to be in existence in six days, 
what do I really have to be afraid of? What sorrows do I really have? Life happens and, and, and tears come, and that's, that's the way it is in this creation that we live in. But ultimately, at the end of the day, where does the victory reside? It's the same thing for, for David, who I just read. God impressed upon my heart that I just needed to read about David. And that, that giant named Goliath that seems like there's no way, there's no way that this little bitty boy can be able to take on this giant. And surely if he does take him on, he'll need some armor to go with him. Saul says, here, put on my armor. You at least need this if you're going to go fight this big, big dude. Turns out he didn't need that at all. He just needed the Lord of Heaven's armies on his side. And one smooth stone. That's all it took. Did David get the victory that day? No, God got the victory that day. He says, I will praise you. I will praise the Lord for what he has promised. When you are in the midst of your sorrow and when you are in the midst of your deepest, darkest place, will you praise Him for what He has promised? Will you praise Him for the fact that at the end of the day that we win? That sin is abolished and tears are abolished and death is abolished forever. Will you praise Him? He goes on to say this. I will fulfill my vows to you, O God. I will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. You have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving life. This is what the psalmist says here. I'll fulfill my vows to you. God, I will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. What is another name for help? Salvation. When you are being attacked by life, when you are being attacked by people, and the world seems to be crashing down around you, I want you to remember your help comes from the Lord. We sing the song, but do we sing the reality of that truth in our lives every day? And if we truly sing that song in our lives, do we offer a sacrifice of thanks for salvation? I struggle with depression. I struggle with sadness. I struggle with hating my life sometimes. I struggle with the fact that people twist my words and some people slander me. I struggle with that. I struggle with the fact that some of the people I love the dearest, they talk bad about me. I struggle with that. It makes me sad. But I offer a sacrifice of thanks for my salvation. The fact that that's not where my hope lies. My hope does not lie in the words of people. It lies in the words of God. In the words of God alone. Many people sitting here today, you feel bad. If we're just perfectly honest, you feel bad. Maybe it's because life has attacked you. Maybe there's sickness. Maybe there's people that you love that have died. 
Maybe you watched somebody that was really close to you struggle for a long time. Maybe you've got somebody that's close to you that has, has walked out the door on you and you feel like they don't care about you and they've walked out of your life. Maybe you feel like they never did care about you. Maybe it's somebody that was supposed to. According to God's word, they were supposed to care about you. They were supposed to care for you, but they never did. All they did was hurt you. Maybe you've been angry with God before. Maybe you've been angry with Him because you thought He didn't care. Maybe you've doubted the fact that He cares and that He knows your tears and He knows your sorrows. Maybe you've been frustrated with Him before because you thought when you read His Word that He, he cared, but when you looked at your life, it looks like He doesn't care. The question is simple today. Will you offer him a sacrifice of thanks for his salvation, for his rescue? He says, you rescued me from death. Not just a physical death, an eternal death. God's rescue. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence. I'm asking you today a question about the condition of your heart. A question about the condition of your sadness. A question about your trust in the power of an almighty God. so bad inside that they can't even breathe. That there are times when they, they all they can do is cry. All they can do is open their mouth. The words don't come out, but just tears roll down their face. God, I have been there. I have been there time and time again. My prayer is for them today. My prayer is, number one, that they would not be ashamed. That they would not be ashamed that they've been in that place. And they would not be ashamed if they were in that place now. But Lord, they would simply come to you with a sacrifice of thanks for your salvation, your rescue. We can trust in your promises, Father. We can, we can trust in what you have said to be true. Therefore, there is nothing that can come against us now that we have to fear. There is nothing that can separate us from your love.
Lord, I just pray that the truth of your word is reigning true in people's hearts today. And God, maybe today, maybe today there would be a, a David here that would slay a giant. A giant that exists in their life, in their hearts. God, a giant that is ruling and reigning every single aspect of their life, whether they admit it or not, it just lingers in their subconscious and it, it devastates them every day. God, I pray that today, today, that they would lean into your power, the power of the Lord's armies, the, the power of the heavenly armies. God, so they wouldn't have to live like that anymore. But today that they would lean into you. God, they would cry out to you. Or they would take a smooth stone and slay a giant. Not for their own glory, Father, but for yours. That they would look at those fears and those anxieties, those worries, those, that heartache and that struggle. They would look at it and it would die today. And they would fall face down before you. And it would give you glory. The people around us would look and they would see, and they would say that can only be the power of God that exists in their life. There's no way that that person could slay a giant. That must be God. But I pray, God, I pray that we would just be real right now. We would stop hiding. God, we would step forward. We're not amongst the crowd, God, we would step forward and say, you know what? Thank you for your salvation. 